Live from the Great White North, this is the Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Braden Dennis and Simon Belanger. Welcome back to another episode of the Canadian Investor. Simon, this is our second episode of the week. We are providing more content for you guys right now during this wild, wild market and even wilder time to be alive. And Simon, the podcast is absolutely popping off right now. We are the first thing on Spotify and Apple Podcasts when you search Canadian investing. So we're kind of a big deal. How you doing, Simon? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's uh, we've been getting a lot of feedback. It's always great. So we try to incorporate uh, the questions in our in our podcast as much as we can. Um, and I we do appreciate all the feedback, all the love we're getting. Uh, and like we mentioned on, uh, I think it was last week, right? Uh, we'll try and do two a week. We might not be able every single week, but uh, we know there's a lot of stuff kind of like to talk about with the markets. And we're recording this on Friday the 27th around 4.45. Um, so we have seen what's uh, what's happened this week with the markets. Yes, sir. It is a crazy time. I'm not even sure what day it is. If you didn't just tell me it is Friday. It is a whirlwind. I feel like I'm uh, like a kid again on March break and I just absolutely have no idea what day it is. So today we're going to talk about we can talk about the market a little bit and what's happened this week. Uh, the last three days were major upswing, and then today it's down another three and a half percent, roughly. I think I looked at the market a lot less this week than last week. I don't know how what you are up to, but it is uh, you know it, job reports are coming out, and we are going into pretty scary time economically. Let's not uh, sugarcoat it. Unemployment rates are skyrocketing here in Canada and in the US. With small business not being open alone, that makes a huge, huge difference. So yeah, what is your take? Does anything really change between this week and last week or even when we recorded earlier this week? Um, I mean, it still remains pretty much the same for me in terms of not trying to time the market or anything like that. Uh, my personal view on what happened this week, so obviously in the U.S. that had a big impact. So they just approved um, the $2 trillion stimulus package, um, I think, or 2.2, something like that. That sounds right. Yeah, so that's a lot of money going into the economy. But what I found a bit confusing with the market reaction was, I think it was yesterday or the day before, where the like worst jobless claim number ever came out with over 3 million people filing for, un for unemployment in the U.S., um, and the markets were still up, even though the... the Wasn't that the biggest Dow gain like yeah, since yeah. this whole mess? Yeah, yeah, it didn't make any sense, especially since they had been talking about the stimulus package for about a week before that. So you'd think that the market was already kind of 
pricing the the stimulus package right in. Um, yeah, to me, my personal view is that uh, I didn't invest. I did not invest any money this week. I still dollar cost averaging. Um, I think there's still a lot of bad news to come, and I would be very surprised if there's not going to be a lot more pain uh, in the markets, but also health-wise for people um, and like job-wise. So a lot of people not getting. Uh, not getting any income. Obviously, their stimulus package in the states. I think they're going to be sending uh, fifteen hundred or two thousand dollar checks to everyone that's making under seventy five thousand dollars a year. And I know there's been extended employment benefits uh, in Canada for those affected by COVID nineteen in terms of employment. And today, Trudeau also announced some um, uh, stimulus for small businesses, backing um, interest free loans for small businesses, but also uh, a uh, payroll subsidy, I think, if, which they'll pay about 75% of uh, people's pay of the business. I'll pay the rest. Um, I think there's some conditions to all of that. But uh, even with all that, I mean, I don't think the picture looks all that great for the economy. It certainly doesn't. Uh, like I said earlier, let's not sugarcoat it. The amount of stimulus that the I see the Fed and the Bank of Canada throwing at the economy is just like wild every single day i look and they're coming up with a new way to provide stimulus the bank of canada this morning uh lowered interest rates to 0.25 percent so another quarter of a percent down the u.s fed is zero so they can't (laughs) they can't go any further and it's just it's interesting right like what an interesting time in monetary policy right now it's it's unprecedented it's historic and the economy looks just horrible but as i said last week it's okay to be able to look at it and go wow this is the economy's definitely looked better but still be aggressively buying stocks that's what i'm doing that's what i know you're doing and you will thank yourself in the not-so-distant future. It might hurt a little bit in the short term when you look at your brokerage account that a position you entered yesterday or even four hours ago is down 10%. That's just really common these days. So that's going to happen. You're not going to time the bottom correctly. And if you do, if if you know about this bottom, please feel free to send me an email. That would be great. I'd like to know when it is as well. Simon, should we switch gears to Canadian tech? Because I don't know why we haven't talked about Canadian tech before. This fires me up. Yeah, probably because I don't know about it as much as you do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, man, like I look out on the TSX on all of the companies that are available. And there are some real darlings in Canada that have big global or North American business. And some of these are just really good Canadian tech stories. Out of Ottawa, Shopify, a company that I think is tremendously overvalued and pretty much always has been. But what a story. Even after this pullback, $65 billion in market cap, so I, I believe is, is the, the number right now. Um, and we're going to talk about a... ETF called 
XIT, which is the iShares S&P Capped Information Technology Index. And let's not get ourselves. There is only 10 holdings and Shopify is 34% of it. Constellation, CGI, and Open Text make up another over, just a little over 50%. Yeah. So you look at like 80% is Shopify, is the top four holdings. Yeah, 88, I think, is the top four holdings. That's what I calculated. So, so you did the math. Yeah, okay, there you go. 88% is the top four holdings. So it is super concentrated because there's 10 holdings and it's market cap weighted. We always talk about this market cap weighting in ETFs. You tend to think you're getting a broad diversification of stocks with ETFs. And then you look at the math, like the total Canadian index, total market index, 16% is Royal Bank and TD. I think with all the big banks being over 30%. So, just be aware of that. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, some of these companies at the top, the second biggest holding, 23% Constellation Software, has been a beast. Tremendous free cash flow growth. These two companies, the top two, Shopify and Constellation, have been incredible stories. But my God, they have rich valuations. And Shopify still doesn't turn a profit last time I checked. So... Constellation, though, very profitable, very good free cash flow compounder. So I'm happy to talk, talk about my favorite four. Uh, but Simon, do you have anything you want to add about this ETF in particular? Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, just to add to what you said. So definitely you're essentially buying four businesses when you buy that ETF, just like Braden mentioned. Um, so, I mean, there could be some value with to that. Um, one thing is the fees for the fund is 0.6, uh, 0.61%. So, I mean, it's not super high, but it's not low either. Um, so you might be better off just doing a basket approach depending on the uh, sums of money that you're investing. Maybe not, obviously, Shopify just one share is fairly expensive on a pure dollar ad, like cost uh, not like a constellation trades for over a thousand canadian by the way exactly so if you don't have several thousand dollars to invest you might not be able to do a basket approach um so it really depends what your situation is um you could also look at doing a basket approach but you know combine a few that you see here with a few american tech businesses uh, that's another approach you could take um, one of them that i know a little better is blackberry how they transition from uh, the actual smartphones um, to i think a bit more security business but also an operating system uh, business for like cars i think they're um, their software is, is present in a lot of different vehicles. Um, the other ones, I know Braden can probably elaborate a bit more on that. I know they're mostly business-to-business -business software. So they do have a fairly strong competitive advantage, and there's a high switching cost for all of them. Um, my last thing I would mention of all of them, Shopify... Don't you get the feeling Shopify might be like Amazon where we always look at it and it's like, oh, it's so expensive, but it just keeps going up. I just it kind of I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I, it just it feels like it could be that kind of story. It does certainly feel like that story. I know I had 
some bet with my buddy Jeff way back, like three, four years ago at least. And I was telling him there's no way that Shopify can continue to just lose so much cash and grow so fast like it is. And I boldly, stupidly bet that it would underperform. What an idiotic thing that was for me to say because I didn't clearly didn't understand how valuable their value proposition is as a company. It's very smart. Allow merchants all around the world to easily be able to sell things on e-commerce. So yes, they're bleeding tons of cash. They went on the NASDAQ, raised tons of capital. Um, and it's just this Canadian growth story formed out of Ottawa. Uh, they have like three offices here in Toronto, right beside my apartment. And you know what? It is a good company. And, it, and the, the, the value proposition that they provide is quite powerful. Now, another one on this list, Lightspeed Point of Sale Inc. is very small compared to them. They actually dipped below $1 billion one week ago in market cap, and they IPO'd at like two. So uh, over two, over two. So the first time ever, they were under a billion in market cap. And since I looked at that, I was texting with some friends about Lightspeed, unprofitable point of sale, small business, uh, retail technology company. Uh, quite a cool business model, actually. It's up 88% since then, which is just absolutely nuts. So they're going down with the retail uh, retail pessimism, which rightly so. I mean, if it's not open, you're not making any revenue. So now that we've got those two out of the way, these are really fast growing, but still unprofitable businesses. So they would never make it to my uh, my subscription service. I would never recommend that. So I'm going to talk about subscription as a service or what's called SaaS, something that venture capital just can't get enough of. They just throw tons of cash at. And they've been one of the best performing industries in private and, uh, sorry, public and private financial markets. The predictable and growing revenue stream uh, with combined with very, very high gross profit margins creates a pretty powerful compounding machine. And all four of these trade on the TSX and are business-to-business software, enterprise software, which is extremely sticky. Uh, and there's large costs and challenges when you're switching between enterprise software. So the software drives key process efficiencies for many corporations, and that's why they have such a high value proposition. So let's talk about Constellation Software, the second biggest one in that ETF. Uh, trades at a very rich valuation, even after this pullback, uh, north of 50 times earnings, 30 billion in market cap, a very, very small dividend yield of 0.3%, a very, very high return on invested capital, almost 40%, 10-year compounded annual growth rates of 25%, 27%, and 44% on revenue growth and uh revenue, free cash flow, and earnings, respectively. So this thing is beasting. Uh, 44% earnings growth compounded over the last 10 years is just nutty with 88% gross margins. So you are paying up for a enterprise software acquirer. They essentially just continue to buy and eat up more enterprise software with the free cash flow that they generate. So I'm about to be sounding off for a while. 
Simon, if that's okay. Open text here. Very, very similar, smaller, and actually a really cool story that started out of Waterloo University in Waterloo, Ontario. Uh, three or four professors started this company to try to digitize the uh, Oxford Dictionary. So that's why it became Oxford, uh, sorry, Open Text was the name that they came up with. So $16 billion in market cap, almost 40 times earnings, a modest 1.5% dividend yield, very, very high return on invested capital, growth rates on revenue, free cash flow and earnings, all north of 15% and the dividend. Uh, so these are dividend growth stocks. Uh, all of them I'm listing are dividend growth stocks. And 67% growth margin. So, you know, enterprise software, they bought Carbonite uh, in Q4, which is a US-based security cloud-based software uh, company. And OpenText has almost 90%, over 85% of revenue that is uh, on subscription base. So you look at revenue, you look at the airlines we were talking about last week or on Monday, Planes sitting down on the ground, no revenue. This company, no matter how the economy is doing, over 80% of their revenue is on subscription. So they made some really, really nice acquisitions over the last years. Discardus Systems is one that I don't know as well, but they do transportations and logistics. Uh, they've been, they don't pay a dividend, this one. And very similar growth numbers, all north of 15 on revenue and free cash flow. Uh, about five billion in market cap and a pretty good compounder. I see you uh, wanting to pipe in here. Yeah, I had a question for you. So, um, uh, reoccurring revenue, obviously, SaaS is great, but um, do you see any risk for some of them if uh, they're really concentrated with some large clients? I know, or large businesses, because obviously, reoccurring revenues are fine, but if the business goes bankrupt, that revenue goes away. Um, so, are there any like? of them that are really concentrated. I know Shopify probably not because they have a bunch of uh, small business partners, but um, some of the other ones uh, that could be a risk for some of them. So what I'll do is I'll tell you the ones that I know, which are open text and Ench house. These are, co these are companies that I've recommended in the stratosphere premium subscription for my subscribers over the last 12 months. I own them both personally so for open text, for instance, this recurring revenue you're talking about, they are cloud providers and business partners for Amazon Web Services, Salesforce, and Google Cloud. So we're not talking about small players here. These are big, big companies. And these companies power the internet and are very, very, are very, very important partners for open text. So that's the kind of people that they're playing with. You know, this is a, this is a serious, uh, serious partnerships that they have. So hopefully that can, uh, secure, you know, <laughs> ease your mind about the types of clients that they have right now. And then what about if, uh, one of them would potentially drop them? Is that a risk? I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here. Putting yeah. The spot a little bit. No, at the same no, time. no, that's fair. I, I want you to grill me on my thesis here. Um, yeah, very good question. I think that's the whole attractiveness of SaaS in general, software as a service is that really sticky subscription and deep rooted infrastructure in cloud computing. I don't think anyone right now with the coronavirus crisis, their first 
priority is to switch very, very important cloud-based infrastructure that their company relies on. Uh, I can't see that being a priority. And it also requires like physical infrastructure in terms of servers as well. So a lot of that work I just don't see being a priority. And then additionally, Enchow Systems, another one I recommended for the Stratosphere Premium, very similar numbers, 17% revenue growth and 17% free cash flow growth generating. Uh, very similar ratios in terms of open text. And they provide primarily call center infrastructure. This could be, and they have already disclosed some partnerships that they've, that they've acquired over the last couple of weeks. This is a really, really positive tailwind for them when everyone needs proper call center infrastructure. And they're not going to go out and say, Hey, this coronavirus, it sure is good for business. No way are they sounding off on the air like that. But let's be honest, there's a couple businesses that do you know, get some tailwinds from this. And Enchow Systems is probably one of them. The market is not recognizing it for it. It's falling very similar to everything else, which is great for someone like me who wants to pick it up for the long term. I'm done talking now. Wow, that was the longest yeah. I've ever talked on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, yeah, everything's falling probably except uh, since I, except Teladoc maybe since I mentioned it. That's the only one that's doing well, but they had the same approach. They didn't want to really comment on how the whole coronavirus would help their business. But I think, and I think that's good for management to not say like, oh, this will be a huge tailwind for us. Like, I mean, if you're smart enough, you can figure it out whether it'll be a tailwind or not. Right. Yeah. The, the market recognizes it, but my God, they're not going on the air or going through a management review uh, report and openly yeah, saying, I'm, coronavirus is great for business. Yeah, Let me and tell I'd be, you. If I heard management say that, I'd probably like ditch that business, to be honest. It's like, disgusting. Me, like, it's that, disgusting. Yeah, exactly. That's it. So, um, no, I think that was a great overview. I put you on the spot a little bit, but the reason I did was to kind of make people understand the type of questions you have to ask yourself about these businesses where, yeah, it's nice to have SaaS reoccurring revenues or, or other types of business that are providing services to other businesses. But you have to keep in mind if they're super concentrated with a couple of large customers, if one of those customers goes bankrupt or switches to another provider, there's always a big risk with a lot of concentration. And uh, I think a good example of that, I think you're familiar with it, is the uh, grant it uh, REIT yep if I like yeah so they have I think around like 50% of their building or with the Magna International as a as a tenant yes sir yeah so that's to me that's the type of thing that's like super risky because if something happens with that business it could really impact the results so that's all like just to understand a bit the reasoning uh, when we look at businesses some of the questions you have to ask yourself that's a good point because I used to own Magna I issued a sell to my subscribers on March 4th. If you look at their stock chart, it looks like I have a damn crystal ball. Um, but yeah, I know that business really, really well. And Granite Real Estate Investment Trust is actually a spinoff from Magna. So what they did was they owned all of the real estate at one point. They spun off the Real Estate Investment Trust as an industrial REIT and then released it back. And basically, Frank Stronic, the founder and CEO at the time, way back when, 
of Magna International, he basically owned both companies. They were both publicly listed, but a major, like a major, major shareholder in both of them. So you bring up a good point. You got to think about what's the exposure that they're just like when we're looking at these ETFs. You know, what's the exposure of the portfolio inside the holdings for a real estate investment trust? Who are the tenants? Yeah, exactly. So, dude, those are really good questions to ask. And especially in a time of uncertainty like this, you really want to be digging in a bit more into whatever you're looking to invest in. Um, so now I think, uh, did you want to pivot to our tip of the day? I'm eating an apple right now. You got it. So, yeah, I got it. So our tip of the day. So you guys know that we're strong believers in staying invested, not panicking, not selling, dollar cost averaging. But it's important to know and it's really important for people to understand that uh, even though we preach an emergency fund, we also understand that not everyone would have an emergency fund if and if someone without that kind of backup money ends up in this situation where they lose their job they lose their income and they're in a really difficult situation financially even if the market is down it might make sense to sell some stocks uh, even if they're good companies uh, to make ends meet um, i think i would prefer doing that over getting into that personally um, i think that's a, a better option it's not ideal totally understand it and obviously that's why we preach having an emergency fund for these types of situation but you know some situations it might make sense to to sell it and as a side note if uh, some of our listeners are in a tough spot financially and if you have a locked in rsp um, i'd recommend contacting the canada revenue agency to see if you could uh, potentially withdraw from it usually you won't be able to until you retire but there are some hardship provisions I have no idea if they would allow it uh, in these type of circumstances, but they might be a bit more flexible. So that's something uh, you can always do. Um, look, we understand. We we try. We're, I think, pretty easygoing when we talk during the podcast, but we also understand that uh, there's a lot of people that are impacted, uh, both from a health perspective, but also financially because of everything that's happening. It's a good point. None of it about this is ideal so if you have to sell stocks for a life thing then you gotta sell stocks i feel bad i I know someone that just had to close on their house last week and pay up on that down payment and withdraw on stocks and everything was gravy until you know until it wasn't so that does suck it's not ideal but that is life that's why if you need the money in the short run, if you need cash within the next year, no matter whatever's going on in the market or not right now, just in general, one year ago, if you needed money now, one year ago, you should have been de-risking your portfolio anyways. If you need money within a year, stocks is not the place for it. Stocks is the place for five, 10 longer years in terms of money that you need. Stocks have been a great, great place for long-term compounding. But as we've seen, it can be very volatile. Things like this come up. I mean, not saying that pandemics are very common, but massive downturns in the market is not new. Nothing about this 25, 30%, 
35% drop in stocks is new. It's actually not new at all. And history does not repeat itself, but it does rhyme. Do we want, I can sound us off here. How you doing? I mean, uh, no, that was really good. I uh, totally agree. The last thing I would probably say is um, I, I definitely have a few friends that uh, just got laid off recently. So I do know like whether people are listening, it's happening to them or they know someone who like who's been affected. It's probably I'm sure everyone knows someone. Um, so one last thing I would say, make sure you visit Service Canada because there are some new unemployment benefits that were announced by the federal government. Um, you might be eligible for that if you're impacted and you lost your job due to the COVID-19. And that can all be done um, virtually, correct? Yeah, yeah, most of it, uh, I think uh, pretty much all online. They'll probably need your record of employment from your previous employer, uh, but they'll let you know exactly what uh, what they need and uh, they'll you'll be able if, to see if you're eligible or not. But we're, we're also trying to help people from that perspective, so I wanted to, to mention that. And the last thing I wanted to say is uh, we're going to look into uh, creating a, a Facebook page for uh, the podcast, actually. I'm, I'm the one that's going to You got this, bro. It. <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> i'm way too busy i mean oh yeah it's all good so I'll, I'll try to create that um if you guys are interested definitely let us know um and i think it'd be a great place for people to submit questions for the podcast create some discussions as well um so i'll look into doing that in the next few weeks probably this weekend but uh i do have other things to do so it all all depends on my availability but it is on uh, on our radar um, could we so just include that? that could you... we just include a link to the Facebook in the show notes? Yeah, yeah. When it's available, Perfect. I'll definitely include it in the show notes uh, where I put uh, the the yes the tickers for the stock we all we usually talk about in the uh, podcast. Beautiful. All right, guys. That does it for this week, and that was the second episode of the week. Wow, and interesting. Okay, so we will see you on Monday or Tuesday. How are we doing, Simon? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, around okay. there. Just uh, stay posted. We'll at least have one next week. And, okay. Uh, we'll prob- par- probably do. I'll probably forget when Monday is. All right, guys. We will see you when we see you. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for all the feedback. Really appreciate all of it. It means a lot to both Simon and I. Go to getstockmarket.com as always. Keep firing me those questions. And yeah. That's great. Okay, thanks, guys. <laughs> See you next week. The Canadian investor is not to be taken as investment advice. Braden or Simon may own securities mentioned on this podcast. Always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment decisions. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Canadian Investor. To get a list of the top Canadian dividend stocks right now and other valuable investing resources, go to GetStockMarket.com.